Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to another week from this beautiful state. I am joined by our full panel, which means Priscilla Board is with us. She's our Movement Politics Director here at Citizen Action. Priscilla, great to have you. Thanks for having me. Happy Thursday slash whatever day y'all are listening <laughs> to this. Another good interesting busy day in the state of wisconsin oh yes it is we and we will dive right in to the busyness this week particularly around shared revenue and the state budget but robert craig is also with us and that's robert craig with a k not a c for those of you who maybe caught some of his media work over the weekend they they uh robert they could have called you roger craig and we might have turned you into the San Francisco running back. But Robert Craig, well, it's great there, to have you. There was such a crush of uh, witnesses at the hearing that it was conveyor belt and everyone had three minutes. So well, uh, so Channel 12, I can forgive them. They put the <laughs> cameraman there and some producer back in there was guessing at people's names. I oh, think. Robert, it's not the it's not the first time this has happened. So anyways, what Robert is referencing is um, some media from the public hearing yesterday for the historic climate and economic equity plan that went through, or at least is expected to go through next Tuesday. We'll talk more about that. Robert was there for the public hearing. Lots of folks, very important piece of legislation. Talk more about that later, but we are going to start the show by talking about what is, I mean, it's a pretty historic (laughs) day uh, yesterday. Uh, as the shared revenue package that was negotiated by Governor Evers and the leadership of the gerrymandered legislature um, passed the Senate and uh, passed the passed the Assembly, or did it only go through the Senate, guys? I was through. Went through both, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I just wanted to make sure. Dizzying, I. I, I, I definitely saw a lot more of the comments coming out of the Senate. That's right. I saw some great comments also from Christina Shelton and others. So, yes, it, of course, went through. Uh, and we're going to talk more about that And uh, with State Senator Chris Larson, who's going to join us in just a couple of minutes. We're also going to talk more about that with the president of the Milwaukee Teachers Education Association, Amy Mizialko, uh, uh, later in the show, uh, their union very forcefully came out over the weekend along with WEAC against the shared revenue deal. We will dive in with her more uh, specifically why. Um, but before we do that, I want to give each of you just an opportunity for initial comments before we're joined by Senator Larson. Priscilla, your initial thoughts and then Robert. Sure. Yeah, uh, my initial thoughts are all around the word compromise and uh who is always calling for the compromising, yet who is always doing the compromising, uh, playing fast and loose with that word. Uh, I think we have been in a state of disappointment for a, a good while now with some of our elected leaders and their votes on things. So I can't say I'm surprised by who voted which way, uh, but I'm just shocked and uh, still frustrated at like, oh, we just need to compromise. But it's always our side doing the compromising and the Republicans calling for the compromising, not compromising themselves. So that, that's yeah. my initial thoughts on it right now. I hear you, Sister Board, and we'll dive more into your your deeper thoughts on the compromise. But I hear what you're saying, right? Like 
That is a big issue here. And we'll talk more about uh, negotiating skills <laughs> later in the show. Robert, your thoughts. Oh, well, I'm going to talk about negotiating skills right now, if that's okay, Matt. Um, we, we, Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So I think Priscilla is, is spot on, but let me just say that as someone who's been collect, connected to collective bargaining and also has, I was for SEIU a serious lobbyist, so negotiations involve people like the hospital association or the nursing home associations, you need to look for leverage. And this governor does not look for leverage. He allowed them to name the terms and he allowed them to set the agenda by making threats that were not idle threats because they don't they don't have government. They don't care if they destroy government. It's very much like the uh, current House of Representatives with its with its MAGA wing domination. And so it's credible that Voss might pull Milwaukee totally out, which is one of his threats of shared revenue and cause it to go uh, not technically bankrupt, but for all practical purposes, you can't pay your bill. Commonly, people call that bankruptcy. Little little note to Politifact. Um, and so. Uh, where is the leverage? In fact, taking one of the most popular issues, schools, and pairing it with shared revenue and pulling them both away from the budget, where you could have gotten other things like budget care expansion, is terrible negotiation. And WEAC is strongly against this now and calling for a veto of the education piece because they were blindsided. And there are historic increases in voucher schools, which Amy will talk to us about, which would never have happened in a regular budget process because he could have line item vetoed it with his strongest veto in the country. So this is malpractice. And when I have talked to people at the city who understand, including, you know, I've talked to a lot of them yesterday during the big climate hearing, and even the ones who were desperate for the money and think it has to happen, when I say, really, do you think this is a fair trade? Did we really get equal value for equal value? No one will think we did. And most people on second thoughts think Biden did in the debt field uh, uh, fiasco, which was forced by the reckless MAGA majority. But Biden actually got a lot out of them that McCarthy's already tried to renege on because his Freedom Caucus is rebelling. So one knew how, knows how to negotiate, though I hate a lot of the elements of that compromise. He still got a lot. This is just concessionary bargaining, folks. Well, I want to start with this premise that somehow they were just going to let Milwaukee like go into bankruptcy, which I think is like you're doomed to fail if you accept that sort of premise. And Robert, I do think Voss was in the Republicans and some of them would be more than willing to let Milwaukee fail. But I think you saw early on in the Senate that 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 was never really on the table. That's not they weren't serious and because they would have been blamed. I mean, the reality of the fact is Milwaukee does not and never has. And it's been restricted, get its act, its fair share of revenue to to actually live. That's just a fact. Right. And so I just if you start with the premise and we heard a lot of this that, oh, we, we could get nothing. Come on. Right? Like that, that that's not serious. And so, yeah, if you start at that premise, then. I guess this is a good deal, but I don't feel like that was really what was going on. And I feel like it was like weak negotiation. So I want to, I want to go further down that. So Priscilla, you're the one who started this conversation about compromise. I want to give you an opportunity to elaborate more about, right. 
your your actual feelings behind that and you know your critique of quote this this the the idea of a compromise and who does the compromising yeah um so it seems like it's always the uh republicans calling for oh we need to be we need to compromise we need to be bipartisan we're not all going to get everything we want in every bill and every budget uh and then they're the people who vote the most on party lines and put up the most fights on, oh, but this little piece that I really wanted is in there. And I don't care that you wanted something else, uh, but we're seeing a consistent compromise on our on our side of like, we have an education governor and we're putting more money towards vouchers and charters, which we know that system is not, working we have groups fighting to make schools safer that have spent years getting there and that's all unraveling because of the compromise on our side um we are seeing kids struggling to eat in schools because of the compromises on our side so it's it's just frustrating yeah so so when you keep bringing up compromise and robert brought up negotiating can we clarify, please, what it was that w- we gave up historic amounts of voucher money for? Because, like, to me, I don't, it seems like it was to get rid of a referendum, like, which is amazing that <laughs> if that's what happened, that is, I, I'm aghast. That is absolutely what happened. And it is not equal value for equal value. And we look, we have divided government. We know that their majority is gerrymattered and democratically illegitimate, and they don't face real competitive elections, and they have no legitimacy to govern, but they're going to do it because they're they're power maximizers. But the governor has the strongest veto in the country, bar none, much leverage. He's been leaving his power on the table. They leave no power on the table. That's how you end up with this. This should be just a down-the-middle deal, much closer to that, and we wouldn't like a lot of it, but that would be reality with divided government. But now we have concessionary bargaining, and I don't even understand what the governor ever does to develop leverage, because, Priscilla, I got this from you. Uh, He says that he'll veto this in its current form, uh, which is just, you know, like, I'll I'll veto a flat tax, but... Maybe I won't a flatter tax. Well, you know, that's just not, that's not really leverage, is it? Well, I want to, before we, and we will be joined by Senator Larson here very shortly, but we got to, had to break. But before we had to break, I, I do want to dive in to this, this um, further going down about the idea, you know, that we essentially gave up a historic amount of money for voucher schools for again i i'm asking what for was it was it for the referendum getting rid of the referendum and i i mean seriously folks what what is that and and how how does that happen right and there isn't mechanisms to like i don't know address that and be like that's they, not even they bluffed i uh, the, uh, the 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 governor and probably the mayor and county executive of Milwaukee into believing that they 
uh, were, that the, the only thing they could get was the referendum. Otherwise, Milwaukee would be cut off entirely. They bought the bluff. Well, the, 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 other, the, the other thing that I don't understand is the timeline, right? Well, it's like, I'm sorry, I, but this should, as you said, Robert, from the beginning, this is part of the budget process. The idea it's been separated out as a thing that immediately was a loss of leverage at some level. Um, but like, please, what's the rush? I mean, these negotiations don't have to end right away. And and we just, I mean, how about we build some leverage for exposing what's going on? I, I Anyways, look, folks, we got to take a break and we're going to come right back from the break. We're going to be joined by Senator Chris Larson, who voted against this and spoke out very publicly. Uh, it seems to me wherever somebody would uh, put a microphone in front of him, which is great because he has a amazing things to say about this and we're thrilled he took the time to join us folks you're listening to the battleground wisconsin where citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org welcome back to the battleground wisconsin we are talking about the state budget and the shared revenue deal because they're one in the same they have been separated out. Unfortunately, we had a, a vote on the uh, shared revenue plan, which, as we said in the first show, first segment went through uh, both houses of the legislature. We are now joined by State Senator Chris Larson, who voted against the bill. Senator Larson, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great to be with you guys. Well, it's wonderful to have someone like you with us to help us better understand what happened. Um you you were on for that very end of the segment. I I am somewhat baffled by the what what happened, where the historic amount of money for vouchers came in and what it was for. Like what 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 was gained, Senator Larson? I assume obviously not enough in your eyes because you voted against it. So if you could help clarify on that, that would be great. And then please t- let our listeners know why you voted against this. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. That uh, the best that we can tell was that uh, the the ability to not have a referendum at the local level was traded away for the largest expansion of vouchers in 30 years. Um, and, and frankly, I think that the deal that was struck by the governor is different from one that the voucher folks knew what was going to happen. Um, Because the numbers that the governor gave us initially are a lot smaller than what became public later on um, in terms of the per pupil uh, reimbursement of what voucher schools are going to be getting. So I I think that they traded it for the ability not to have a referendum. But here's the really wild part. Not even policy. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm still trying to figure this out. But but the really wild part is, is they... um, the Republicans still didn't have the votes in the Senate. Um, and so they, they, they basically made this call, but they bluffed. They said, oh, we, were gonna, we need to do this to be able to have the Republican votes to be able to get this across. But if you actually look at the votes, um, the Republicans didn't carry it over. They, they bluffed and they relied on a lot of Democrats to carry it over the line. So they didn't have a majority. They wouldn't have been able to pass it without Democrats. So and even them saying Chris, that we needed to do this to be able to have the voucher expansion, they, they didn't uphold their end of the bargain and Democrats got tricked. Chris, which of your colleagues, I know Brad Pfaff, who else joined the majority? 
Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I'm not comfortable to be able to, to, to throw them. Well, we'll look uh, at everybody them. had their own reasons to, for, for how they were voting. Um, but there was a few of them who, who you know, there was, there was a lot of asking around over the two weeks before this final vote came up um, of where you were at, what your final line was. It was very clear they didn't have the votes. Um, what, what wasn't clear was if they were willing to change some of the ingredients of the deal in order to get democratic votes. And we've been advocating for that. I and others have been advocating for that. And unfortunately, in the end, uh, they, they said that they needed to have the voucher expansion in order to get the, get it over the line. Um, and, and I believe that that was not necessarily true, um, well, at least in the Senate. So. Thank you for clarifying that. I want to give you an opportunity to elaborate on any other things that like, you know, for you personally are major reasons why, you know, this, you, you voted against this and have been speaking out loudly. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to be very clear, this is, this is the, um, this is going to kill a lot of public school districts across, across the state um, because of the large expansion of, of uh, vouchers. Um, up until now, there was kind of a limit on what they would be able to take because of the money, the number of students they'd be able to take because of the money that was involved, right? Uh, the amount of reimbursement. And that, that was uh, the excuse of, of voucher advocates to say, well, we don't have enough, you know, we're not getting reimbursed to the same rates of public schools, which is a moving of the goalpost. That was never the case. That was never what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to be paid for you know, entirely by the public. It was supposed to be something that is offering just a few people, just a few spots, just a few opportunities. But, you know, they, they, this is part of an uh, effort to defund public education in the long run. So once this became an option, um, I don't know if the governor forgot that there is a provision that says anytime you increase the per pupil funding or special education funding or categorical aid, which I get these are you know, vague concepts for people who are not obsessed with public education. Um, but once you increase, basically when you increase different pieces of the budget, they built in automatic increases. So that means that they're gonna be getting these huge giant increases where in many cases, at the end of the two years of this budget, uh, the voucher schools will be getting more per pupil than public school districts in some parts of the state. So when that happens, um, if that weren't enough, right six months later, suddenly the, um, the caps come off. And what that means is that there is no longer a limit on uh, the number of students that they can take. At that point, it's, it's, it's lights out for public education. So this is, a, uh, this is a very, very, very bad deal. And it's going to continue to get worse over the next few years. Well, Senator Larson, I appreciate you laying that out. Um, we have just been joined by our second guest who is deeply involved and spoke out very loudly over the weekend, and that is Amy Mizialko, president of the Milwaukee Teachers Education Association. Thank you for joining us, Amy. Good morning. Well, I think you heard a little bit there on the end, Senator Larson was laying out why he voted against this and in particular the historic increase for vouchers and what that implication is for public education. Amy, tell first of all, thank you for, for joining us and thank you for leading some of the truth telling over the weekend and, and um, 
tell us why the MTA strongly opposed this and also uh, uh, WEAC. Um, yeah, thanks so much for um, inviting me to join this morning. And I, I actually do want to start out by, um, I've thanked Chris Larson many times over the years for his leadership and advocacy um, for public education. And um, boy, if there was an elected leader that's been there for public schools over the past week, it's absolutely him. Um, and so I thank him for being loud and, and standing strong and, um, you know, remaining strong to his values. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through a number of words describing this experience. So on Thursday night, I think I saw the word um, agreement being used, that there's an agreement between uh, Governor Evers and Robin Voss um, and then I saw the word, well, it, it's a deal um, and a compromise. And so MTEA was very clear from the beginning that um, it's a bad deal. And frankly, uh, Governor Evers has no right to make this kind of agreement um, or deal and sell out the primary value that he campaigned on, that he would lift up and protect public education. He told us that he believes like all of us, that public education is a social contract um, with every single child and every single family in the state of Wisconsin. Um, and so, you know, uh, the way that, I, you know, as a, as a teacher, the way that I understand the word compromise is that there's something in there for, for both parties. And so it would be one thing if Governor Evers could say to us, hey, guys, I know it was really tough to lose on this, but we got, we got nothing. And so what we got is a betrayal. Um, of what we voted for. This is not a governor that I know. This is not a governor that public education workers know. This is, um, this is a betrayal and a complete disloyal, intentional abandonment of everything that Governor Evis told us that he stood for and would fight for. Thank you, Amy, for laying that out. Um, this is a historic moment. I'll just compliment both of them. This is very refreshing to have this level of clarity as disappointing and damaging as this is. And so I, I'm reminded maybe of Judge Harlan's dissent in Plessy versus Ferguson, the separate but equal decision. Sometimes there's hope in the clarity and uh, the opposition and the roadmap to how to fix this. And I know uh, some people said who, during the legislature, they're gonna dedicate themselves to getting this off the books. And I agree, and there needs to be a movement to do that led by educators. And it's great to see both MTEA standing up and then WEAC joining them. Uh, WEAC has generally been uh, really trying to stay in good relations with the governor. So I think that was a major move for WEAC as a whole, too, 
to call for a veto. Uh, it's exceedingly disappointing. I don't want to in any way make that overshadow how disappointing this is, but I'm 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 heartened by the moral clarity of the people who are speaking out. Here, Senator Larson and Amy Zialko have been two of the primary people doing that. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We'll be right back with Amy Mizialko, president of the Milwaukee Teachers Education Association. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we are talking about oh, it's a historically bad deal, uh, and particularly because of what we've been saying from the beginning, this compromise that doesn't appear where we got anything for a historic expansion of resources to vouchers. Amy, I want to give you a further opportunity to just be very clear. We have a lot of progressive listeners who, you know, probably are getting, you know, messages from both people who like us are extremely outraged and then others who you know, maybe more Democratic Party type supporters who want to support the governor, want to support like, hey, this is the best we could do. The governor said, oh, this is a historic investment in public education. Help them understand in, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes, why this is so bad. Just great clarity. So they can so they can share that with others because this needs to be a discussion. This cannot just go away just because it's passed. Absolutely. So I want um, listeners to understand that um, in this agreement, there is a 90% reimbursement for special education for unaccountable private voucher schools. Um, There is a 33% reimbursement for public schools. It's outrageous. Um, I want listeners to understand that there is a $3,000 per pupil increase for unaccountable private voucher schools. And what I want, please, for everyone to just understand, uh, private voucher schools pick and choose the students and the families that they want to serve, and they exclude the students and the families that they don't want to serve. And they do that based on um, a child's ability to learn, a child's ability um, in terms of their social emotional skills. They do that They can dismiss gay students and transgender students, and they can decide that um, they don't want to accept students who don't speak English as a first language, and they do. And so that is not equity. That is not equity. Um, Another example I want to give to listeners is this. For a child who graduated from a Wisconsin public high school this month, this June, that child in her K through 12 experience, never saw an increase in her public school funding that kept up with inflation. And this one doesn't keep up with inflation either. Yeah, um, I also wanna echo everything that has been said and just the appreciation of uh, MTA and Senator Larson and everybody who is speaking out because I don't think we do it enough i think we get a little too nervous sometimes but like they are elected officials and they are accountable to the people who elected them uh so i appreciate that um i um i also just appreciate all of the uh hard work that y'all put into public education as a strong public education supporter like we need this um so what 
can like we do other than like let's keep calling let's keep bugging our elected officials and holding them accountable and running for office like what what else is there to do how do we not lose hope and just give in to the deep frustration and betrayal that's a great question priscilla um and so i'll say this um a strong responsible leader takes time to reassess a committed trusted leader when he is being told from superintendents from rural urban and suburban school districts that this agreement will put them underwater i I know that Governor Evers has heard endlessly from public school advocates across the state of Wisconsin. Uh, he's heard from public education workers from the largest teachers union in the state of Wisconsin and from WIAC. We have called on him to veto. And so there is no weakness in a leader reassessing and taking feedback from his trusted supporters. And so I just wanna put out there yeah. that there is nothing wrong, there is no weakness in reassessing and saying, I have heard from the people who entrusted me to take care of public schools and they have told me that I have not hit the mark and I have to veto, I have to stay strong to my word and do what I promised the students and the public education supporters of the state. I, I love what you just said, because earlier in the show, I was like, why, why this timeline? Why was there no time to even gather feedback to, you know, take a good negotiator? Well, first of all, I always say, why would a good negotiator not put strike on the table from the beginning that use your threats? And I feel like he, he always seems to start you know, not from a place of strength, but in this case, it's like, don't you take the deal back and try to take an assessment of like what the people think. And when, when the top folks who, you know, who helped get you there, tell you, this is just not what we need. It's stunning to me. So I like what you said, like the, your name, you are absolutely right. We said early on, why was this even separated from the whole state budget? Why do you remove leverage? Amy, as you may know, we're we're super big advocates of Badger Care expansion, and we're just dumbfounded that they're like, where's the fight for this stuff, right? Why? How about we got Badger got something for right. something other than the citizens of the city and county not having the right to vote for this, which is shocking. Well, and let me let me just democracy to, to, to Amy's point. I mean, I want to put a fine point on how long-term this relationship is. I was actually at the WEAC Representative Assembly where Evers was first running for DPI and introduced himself to WEAC. It goes back that far. And he has run on education as a statewide candidate in his post-DPI, and that has been his brand 
And WEAC has... It's how he's justifying this, Robert. And he's WEAC described has it... really, ju- really, really, really bent over backwards to maintain the relationship without, uh, from what I understand, Amy knows better than I do, a whole lot of clear communication back and forth a lot of the times with this administration. And then this comes out. I don't, Amy, I'm doubting, I don't know if you can say anything on this, I'm doubting WEAC was even dealt in. They just found out about it when... When the when the deal was announced, but maybe maybe that's not the case. But um, I wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but the media is framing this as he abandoned his closest core ally, and there's truth in that. That is not a bad media frame. They're actually reporting accurately at this point. Matt, if I could just if I could just say, um, every public education group was blindsided by this elected Democrat legislators were blindsided by this. And I'm just going to tell you, um, I don't, Governor Evers spoke to a room of union public educators, and I was in that room um, a few years ago, and he talked about the shame of elected leaders going into back rooms and making shady deals um, and not answering to the people and to the students in our state. And he said that he would never do that. And so what he what he's done, and I, I want to say that he has time. This can be corrected and it must be corrected. Um, and that is, you know, and Priscilla, as you were saying, like, um, how do we keep hope and keep fighting. We will fight as long as there is something left to fight for. And those are our students. And so that will always be what ignites us every single day to keep fighting because our students don't deserve a deal like this. They deserve far more. And we have to insist that Governor Evers take a breath, take a step back, reassess, and get something better for public school students, as well as Badger Care, as where as well as the UW system, as well as transit. And and yes. Well, Amy, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you have to go. And we we appreciate your leadership in this moment. It matters, it, you know. Some it's, sometimes moments matter, and it. We were aghast last week when the deal came out, and just shocked. It took a and just thrilled to see that you all spoke out and at least started to create movement. And I think what you're calling for here is righteous and right. This is not over, but this interview is. Amy, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Matt. And with that, we're gonna go take a break. But before we do, you heard President Mizialko. You heard the passion. You could hear the frustration and anger in her voice. But you heard an amazing message of hope and resistance and fighting, and it ain't over. Call Governor Evers. Tell him. Tell him he has time to change. Shared revenue It's part of a broader state budget. Let's fight. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, where citizen action 
You can find us always fighting at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We have been talking about, I'm not even going to call it a deal. Priscilla from the beginning blew up the concept that this is a compromise. (laughs) And then Robert, Senator Larson, and President Mizialko came right in and blew it up, blew up the whole concept. Folks, it ain't over. I want to remind you before the break. President Mizialko reminded us that this ain't over. Please contact Governor Evers. He has time to reconsider when he hears from, from you all. But we have another topic we have to talk about. And that is, yesterday was a, it was a historic day in Milwaukee um, for the public to be able to come out and speak, speak about the critical importance of Milwaukee getting on the train of trying to fight climate change and really try to set out a plan, a clear plan, an accountable plan that will help us meet some really important standards. I believe, Robert, it's the Paris Climate Accords. Um, And maybe even go beyond that. Robert will give us the details. But to get serious about a plan and one that while doing it will actually start to address our critical struggle to make sure that we have real economic equity and folks who have been locked out of the economy have an opportunity. But Robert, this thing, this huge plan that folks have been working on for multiple years, including Citizen Action and you, um, had a public hearing yesterday. Tell us more about the hearing and why this plan so damn important. So, and by the way, I'll just say as a bridge to the last topic, since I hung around City Hall for close to four hours yesterday, The Common Council doesn't have the votes. They need two-thirds to ratify the sales tax part of the shared revenue deal. So this may blow up in the author's face in Madison anyway. The Republicans probably will like that. That's a perfect storm. But I'm just saying the mayor may be on board, but he doesn't currently have the votes on Common Council. But let me... That's the the thing that everyone is worried about. He's declared it's going to pass. And they're worried that this could undercut this great climate and economic equity uh, plan that we're talking about by cutting what exists of city sustainability resources. So going to positive, we're going to shift to their positive news here, right? Just like there was positive in how strongly WEAC, MTEA, Chris Larson and others have fought and articulated a position on this terrible deal. Uh, This started four years ago in a meeting with then Common Council President Ashanti Hamilton, then County Supervisor, now State Rep Supreme Moore McCunde, myself and our Climate Act Director Raphael Smith, and became this vision for the city and the county, the city's leading right now, to develop climate and economic equity plans that met two crises, both the need to dramatically cut greenhouse emissions or face catastrophic consequences almost in half by 2030 and that neutral by 2050, the international uh, goals and treaties, and to do it in a way that dramatically improves racial economic equity, because over the last 40 years of deindustrialization and corporate dominated trade deals, Milwaukee's gone from having the most prosperous African-American community in the country to the least, 50 out of 50. And this is that we can't wait to to convert to a green economy 
When we developed this, and a lot of people were involved, the state sustainability department, ECO, did a fantastic job, short-staffed, all in, Milwaukee Labor Council, a lot of different environmental advocates, uh, two members of Citizen Action and Raphael Smith were on the task force, to, on our staff, Raphael, and a lot of people, I'm not, I mean, Marina Dipjevich has done a great deal, Jonathan Brostoff. Uh, uh, speak, uh, uh, Council President Perez, I mean, I'm going to miss people. The point being, this is going to pass unanimously. There is unanimity, and it was our vision that because of the climate crisis, money would eventually move from D.C., and President Biden at the nick of time made that happen with the Historic Inflation Reduction Act, where having a plan and having a plan to compete for and apply for the money will make a whole difference. So while Milwaukee is being by this shared revenue off uh, uh, literally conspiracy and sabotage by an illegitimate gerrymandered majority since Scott Walker took office in 2010 and is giving away also, we didn't mention this, massive home rule so that they're going to lose local control, they can't expand city transit, and they're forced to put this into police and to uh, resource officers in schools. MPS is forced to do that. And so, but this is the silver lining. There is money because of the Inflation Reduction Act and there is tremendous commitment and there was an outpouring from that little meeting and all the work of the task force. You had two and a half hours of hearings, a packed hearing room with over 50 people who testified and a lot more that watched wall-to-wall -wall media, unanimous support of the Common Council and Mayor. So Milwaukee's ready to turn the page. That's exciting. At the same time, the shared revenue nightmare is occurring. So you have to kind of look at glass yeah. half full, glass half empty here. Yeah, absolutely. Priscilla, any thoughts you have about what is, I mean, it's a, it's a historic moment for, for Milwaukee and uh, uh, Robert, I like the perspective too, about like just given yesterday's punch to the stomach. Um, it's at least good to see. And again, referencing Amy, the fight continues Priscilla. And I was going to say that was all the conservation, the hallway. So that was the theme. It was like great, positive excitement about this and the shared revenue thing. So go ahead, Priscilla. Oh yeah. That's what I was going to that, that add is that there are these positives, these, these small, but not that small uh, wins that are coming. It's good to have uh, you know, Milwaukee on on track for that. It'll be interesting to see how uh, Republicans can spin it and be like, oh, Milwaukee's, uh, you know, being Milwaukee. Uh, so it's, it's good to have these wins, um, especially coming at a time where our environment is burning, uh, mm -hmm. that we are doing we're doing what we can, that we haven't given up. We're trying to make sure that we can rein these things in before it is too late. We're already approaching the too late um, aspect of a lot of these climate yeah. things, but but we haven't given in and just been like, all right, well, it's too late. Like we are, we're doing something. So I think it comes at an incredible time in history where we're still seeing pictures of just smog and fires and just people not being able to breathe um that we are we are trying so well, a big thing yeah it's a it's an excellent point i mean half of the state is choking on fire smoke today as we record and uh we talked about that last week that stuff's not going away 
It's not going away immediately this summer, but it's not going away broadly. And can I just say it's really important on an issue like climate and the economy and opportunity, they can feel really unattainable and un, like there's nothing you can do about that locally or there's nothing you as an individual can do. And it's almost 100% the opposite. Not only do our actions matter, but locally and getting our shit together like this climate plan and aligning the, the critical warrant of trying to trying to change the clock, change the calendar on this old economy, right? That locked out a whole lot of people, right? And and COVID has helped break our our expectations around that as it relates to what people and what workers should expect. I think a plan like this, aligning it and getting folks involved across the state and your communities, making sure your community has a plan to go get the money. And there's going to be more resources, Robert. And I was just going to to reinforce what Priscilla said. Yesterday, per, point of personal privilege or call out my brother, Ted, Ted Craig, who was on the task force as an active citizen action member, uh, is very deep on climate. And I was hoping when he testified yesterday, he would get deeper. And he did because people kind of just say, oh, we know it's bad. No, no. We've lost, ha- the, 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 the habitable range of the earth has shrunk already. 600 million people who are in migration and fascists are using to generate right-wing movements are moving because advanced industrial countries, white countries did that to brown and, and, to brown and black majority countries in the global south. And there'll be up to 3 billion people who are displaced unless we keep this under 1.5 degrees Celsius, and we're still increasing climate emissions every year. We haven't had decrease yet, but we've had the historic uh, first step by President Biden and places like Milwaukee stepping forward and getting out front and seeing the opportunity. So, but, you know, my brother Ted also is a regional leader for WEAC, so he's in bittersweet mode here too, I'm quite sure, with the shared revenue uh, disaster. Look, we are all citizens. And so we feel all these things, whether, you know, we work or are involved in on an issue and here at Citizen Action, right? We care deeply about healthcare, climate, a whole bunch of things. Um, but we hurt when when something like public education goes under assault the way it was, has and is this week. But I want to, before we go, we only have a minute before we go. I do. There was another huge event yesterday and we had Kiva um, our, uh, from our staff who was at these huge events with the PSC yesterday around energy burden. Kiva was on last week talking to you all about that. Uh, Really good turnout. Uh, We'll continue to talk more about the critical problem that the energy burden and how this connects to what we just talked about, right? Folks in Milwaukee being stuck in housing that was redlined and is less energy efficient. And so not only are your homes sucking more energy, if you have less resources to pay, the burden that makes upon you and the percentage of your income is unbearable. So we are hopeful that there'll be a trial plan to make sure nobody has to pay more than 6% in certain area in Milwaukee that this can be proven it can work. So uh, we'll talk more about that down the road, but we really do have to wrap up this show. I, I just want to thank uh, my co-panelists for the great discussion today on what is it just a very challenging issue this the shared revenue package 
but of course, thank Senator Larson and um, make sure we thank Amy Mizialkel, president of the MTEA, the Milwaukee Teachers Education Association, for their leadership, but also for coming on the show and talking to us. So with that, folks, stay engaged. Listen to President Mizialko saying over. Please make sure the governor hears from us. Because most of you, if you listen to the show, you probably voted for him. So he should hear. He should know. All right. We'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>